Well, it's good to be with you today, and uh, we're continuing our series, The Good Life. How many of you have been enjoying? Has this been a good series? Yeah? It's been a good series? It's, it's been challenging. It's been a challenging series. We've been talking about walking in the Spirit and not the flesh. Uh, Paul tells us that, you know, we got flesh, and our flesh has fruit, and as believers and Christ followers, that we're to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And you might say, well, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it tells us this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And Paul's saying these nine fruit of the Spirit, you and I as Christ followers, as we're learning to abide in Jesus Christ, as we're following Him, we should be growing more in love. Pastor Clayton spoke about love a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Don Doe last week spoke about joy. I don't know about you, he spoke about those joy killers. How many of you have been thinking about the joy killers in your life, right? The enemy, John 10 verse 10, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus Christ said, I came to give you life and life uh, overflowing. Why is the fruit of the Spirit so important? If I wanna recap for us, the fruit of the Spirit defines our character defines what, as Christ followers, that this is the characteristics, this is the character God wants to have. The fruit of the Spirit also describes our conduct, how we're meant to act, how we're meant to treat others that are in our world and around us. We see in John 15, verse five, Jesus, uh, he, he speaks to us, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Jesus was saying that as we put our faith in him and receive him as our Lord and Savior, he is the vine, he's the source, and we're a branch that's grafted into him. And now as believers, we're to abide, and the word abide is an active word. It means we're in relationship with Jesus. We're to be feeding on his word. We're to be growing in prayer. We're to be serving and growing in our gifts and discovering and realizing our role in God's story. Then we said in, uh, in week one, I said this, in this series, this Good Life series we're going through, and hopefully you've picked up a journal, I think we only have 90 left, over 500 uh, journals are, are, are gone, and so I'm so excited about that, but if you haven't got one, please get, get one of these journals. But as we've been going through this journal, we've been saying that uh, this series, it's more about becoming and less about doing. The fruit of the Spirit is not a checklist. Okay, pastor, check, I'm loving more. I'm loving my neighbor more. I'm trying really hard. Check, I'm doing this. It's not a checklist. It's, God, I want to become more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you work in my life? Would you show me the things I'm to, of the flesh that I'm to lay down and, and how I'm to grow in, in loving others, how I'm to grow in joy so that I can become more like Jesus? You know, life has seasons. I just turned 50 on, uh, on Monday, and I don't look like it, but just turned 50. And it's funny because you're like, man, that's like half a century right there. And you begin to reflect about all the things. You know, I was thinking about, you know, because uh, you know, my parents would talk about eight tracks, you know, and vinyl, and... But I, I, you know, I talk about a Walkman and then a CD player, you know, and then 
there, those uh, MP3 things you, you used to have, that little Sony one that was like about this big, and you put an SD card in there, and, and now, you know, now everything's on your phone. I mean, you remember the day cell phones came out? Anybody remember that? Yeah, I remember. Remember when you used to dial up for internet? You know, and ree, 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 it sounded like a cat was dying on the other side. You know, I was telling my daughter, Shay, who was six the other day, I said, you know, you just walk around like you could just connect. You got your iPad, and you just expect Wi-Fi to be everywhere. I said, I said, Shay, we used to plug a wire into the phone jack. And then look, and she's like, nah, -uh. there's no way. <laughs> you know, life is interesting because in life, life's all about seasons, right? There's seasons you go through in life. In fact, King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said this. He talks about season. He goes, there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. He says life is about seasons. And there's one thing that I'm learning as I'm maturing in life. See, I notice as I get older, I'm maturing as I'm maturing in life, there's one thing that I'm learning is that there's certain parts of life you can't control. There are friends in my life that I grew up with that have, have recently passed. And you're kind of like, wow, like I, I, didn't, I didn't see that happening. I look at, at seasons of I'm in, in in life and I'm like, wow, God, I never saw that or this or that family member or, or, or the world is here. I never thought we'd be right now where the world is at today and the way things are out of control. But here's the reality. There are things in life you cannot control. And Solomon says that. He says in life, there's a time you're gonna be laughing and woo, life is awesome. God is great. The kids, the marriage, everything's wonderful. And then there's times you're gonna be crying, going, man, I can't believe my kid's doing that and they've wandered off. I can't believe that my wife and I, our marriage, where we at, I really thought I'd be there and I'm here. And, and there's things that'll come your way in life. But listen to what Pastor Rick Warren says. He says this, when life doesn't make sense, we can still have peace. When life doesn't make sense, you can still have peace. Today, as we jump into part four, we're going to talk about peace, fruit of peace. The title is, It Is Well. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, It Is Well. Turn to your second choice and say, It Is Well. I want to start today by talking about a great man in the Bible. His name was Gideon. And his story is found in Judges chapter 6. And in this story, Israel had sinned. And because Israel had sinned, God allowed the Midianites to attack him. And so every time Israel was getting ready to reap the harvest of the grain and, and their cattle, the Midianites would come down and invade and, and, and just destroy all the crops and the livestock. And, and Israel was just so under this, this constant terror, this constant attack, and Israel would hide in caves and dens that were so afraid. And in Judges chapter 6, Gideon is hiding in an abandoned wine press. He's trying to thresh a little bit of dry grain that he has so that he can have some food. And as he's busy doing this, an angel appears. And the angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. <laughs> That's so interesting. What is Gideon doing? 
He's hiding. He's afraid. He's in an abandoned wine press, threshing, looking. Is anybody around? And the Midianites come and he's threshing. I've got a little bit of food here. I've got a little bit of stuff. He's afraid. And the angel looks at him and says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. I like that. Because sometimes in life, we feel defeated. We feel afraid. We feel hopeless. But you know what? When God looks at us, he always sees his best. He always sees the best. You might feel that you've, Pastor, I'm, I'm stuck. I've done stupid things. I've made bad decisions. The, the, all this is against me. You know what God would say today? Come on, in me, you're a mighty man. You're a mighty woman. There's still hope today. Doesn't matter how messed up your life is, God sees the best in you. Well, how did Gideon respond to this? He said, well, thank you. That's awesome. I feel really motivated and encouraged. You know what he did? He began to complain. Well, if I'm really a mighty man and if God's really gonna use me to deliver Israel, then why did God get me in this mess? Why did God let this happen? Isn't it interesting so often that's what we do with God, right? Oh, well, God, if you didn't do this, I wouldn't be here. But you know why Israel was there? Because Israel had sinned. There's a consequence for sin. But in the midst of consequence of sin, there's the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. He complains. The angel said to him, I'm with you. God is with you. Go in the might of yours and you will save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. And we know if you can go read the rest of the story God shows up with a sacrifice, and Gideon realizes, oh my gosh, God, it is God talking to me. This is, God has, and he says, you know what, I'm not worthy, I should die. And God says, no, I've chosen you. And then what he does is he does a test with a fleece before the Lord, and you can go read all of that. But what Gideon does in that moment, though, is he realizes that God is bringing peace to Israel, that God wants to use him to deliver Israel. That God is gonna turn things around. And so in Judges chapter six, verse 24, this is what Gideon did. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah on the Abizarites. There we go. Interesting. The Lord is peace. This is the first time in the Bible where the name Jehovah Shalom is used. Gideon builds an altar and he names the place, the Lord is peace, Jehovah Shalom. Gideon then gets an army together and we know the story. He has 32,000 men and God says, too many men. Because if I give the victory to you, everybody's gonna make it based on the, the size of the army and their strength. And so let's narrow it down. And finally, he gets down to a few men and, and God gives him the victory. And it's interesting because in Judges chapter eight, verse 28, and thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites uh, and did not raise its head again. They were defeated. During Gideon's lifetime, listen to this, the land had peace for 40 years. The Lord is peace. 
This place will be named the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. He conquers the Midianites. He comes back, Gideon. They want to make him king. And he says, no, no, no. Just make me a priest. Now make me a shepherd. And for 40 years, there's peace until one of his sons, Abimelech, shows up. And in, you can go read the story in, in Judges chapter 8. Abimelech shows up, and what does he do? He kills every single brother that he has. He is the son of Gideon, and he kills every brother. In fact, I think there was almost 70 of them in Judges chapter 9. He kills every. He wipes out the family tree. Why? Because he wants to be the next leader of Israel. What's so interesting today is you think about this is there was peace. Gideon said, this place, I will name it, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. There's peace for what? 40 years. Till Abimelech comes, wipes out every brother and sister, conspires, kills them, becomes leader. And there was no more peace. We say, Pastor Charlton, what? What are you trying to tell me today? If you take your notes, point number one is this. Peace is not a place. I shall name this place. The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. There's so often in life that we're trying to get to a place. When I get to this place, I'll have peace. If I get to this place where I have so much money in the bank, I will have peace. If I get to this level in my career, I will have peace. If my kids get the degree and get through college and have a job, I will then. When I get to that place where my kids and they're set up, I will have peace. If I get to this place in my marriage, I'll have peace. My friend, peace is not a place. So often we're in times like Gideon when we find ourselves in the, in the place, in the valley, in the darkness, in the hard places of life, when life throws a curveball, so often, you know what we do? We like to say this to God. God, would you just take me back to that place? Remember that place where I was happy? That place where I was a lot freer? That place where I would worship you? The place where I was just, I was in the Bible all the time. I was on fire for you, God. I remember back in the day, that place where, man, there was a revival. I remember back in that place where my family, was just everything was, would you just take me back to that place? And here's what I'm to tell you today, that peace is not a place. Well, what then is peace? Let's go to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 40. And as evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, Let, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowd behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And, and then he asked them, why are you afraid? 
do you still have no faith? If you take your notes today, point number one, peace is not a place. Then what is peace? Point number two, peace is a person. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jehovah Shalom. The disciples got into the boat and Jesus said, guys, we got to get to the other side. Why did Jesus say that? Because he knew the will of his father was to go to the other side because at the other side waiting for him was a man that was demon possessed and Jesus needed to set this man free. It wasn't just let's get on a boat and go for a sunset cruise. He had an assignment there was a man bound by demons that needed to be set free. We've got to get to the other side. But as they're in the boat going across, a storm hits. And this is important because these, their, their disciples, some of them were fishermen. They know storms. And they're like, this isn't an ordinary storm. The waves are hitting. The wind is blowing. The waves are crashing in. The boat's filling up with water. And Jesus is lying in the back on his my pillow cushion taking a nap. And the disciples are going, we're going to drown. What are we going to do? They're trying to bail water. They're thinking about plans. And then one of them must have said, Jesus is in the boat. Well, why don't you wake him up? No, I came up with the idea. You go wake him up. (laughs) Well, this cost lots and see who's going to wake up Jesus. They go over Master, master, listen to the words. Don't you care? How many times have you said that to God? God, I'm in a storm in my life right now. The waves are hitting my boat. The waves are hitting my life. It seems like just darkness and evil and pain and hurt and disappointment and failure is filling my life. I am drowning here. Hello, Jesus, don't you care? The peace was gone. The storm was in seen life. Let me teach you about life. There's three places you're gonna be in life, my friend. You're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. Because in John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trials and you're going to have some tribulation. But in me, you're going to overcome. You see, peace is not a place. To them, peace was this. Hey, if we just get through the storm to the other side, like Jesus said, we get to the other side, we'll have peace. But they didn't realize that peace was in the boat. Peace's name was Jesus. Don't you care? I love what Jesus does. Wind, be still. Waves cease. And then he says something so beautiful. He literally turns to him and says, where was your faith? You know what he was really saying is, what did you put your faith in? Because I can tell you what you put your faith in, Jesus is saying. You put your faith in the wind and the waves and not in me. See, peace is not a place. Peace is a person. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord Almighty, the Lord, my peace. Look at the book of Isaiah. 
chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of what? Peace. You see, peace has a name. Jesus. Jehovah Shalom. Peace is a person. You see, I like this verse in Isaiah because it says, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What does that mean? If he's the Prince of Peace, then he is the author and authority of peace. Amen. Oh, we've got one amen. Praise the Lord. Some of you need to catch us. Let me say it again. If he is the prince, he is anointed by God the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father right now in the seat of authority. And Isaiah declares to us that his name is the Prince of Peace. That means he is the author of peace and he has the authority. That's why in the boat, he could get up and say to the wind, cease, waves, back off. Why? He has the authority. In your life, in your boat, in your storm, who's the authority? What voice are you listening to? The voice of circumstance, the wind and the waves, or the voice of Jehovah Shalom? John 16, I've told you these things, that in me, in me, Jesus says, you may have what? Peace. Why? Because I'm the author of peace. I'm the authority when it comes to peace. In this world, though, if you're going to look at this world, you're going to have trouble. Solomon said, you're going to go through seasons. You're going to have some trouble. But guess what? Peace is not a place. Peace is a person. Think about Daniel in the lion's den. You know where he had peace? Before the lion's den, you know where he had peace? In the lion's den. Why? Jehovah Shalom is with me. We as Christians try to, God, take the storms away from me. I don't want storms. And you know what I believe Jesus is saying? Hey, I'm trying to teach you through storms how to trust me. I'm trying to teach you how to walk in victory. Why? Because shalom is a powerful word. Let's look at, at Strong's Concordance. Shalom, in, according to Strong's, means completeness, soundness, and welfare. It comes from the root word shalom, which means making amends or making whole or complete. Peace is, is more than the absence of conflict, my friend. Peace is coming to the place of the fruit of peace, where it doesn't matter what happens to me, I know who's with me. It doesn't matter what happens to me, I know who's with me. I know who's in the boat of my life, lying on a pillow, ready for me to call upon him. Because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Soteria is the, the Greek word. Soteria means simply this, delivered, set free. But shalom, the word shalom, this Jehovah shalom, this shalom is what? I want to make you whole and sound so that when the winds and the waves come, like James says, you're not tossed to and fro. You're grounded in Jesus Christ. He is, peace is a person and not a place. Stop asking God to, well, get me there and I'll be happy. No, teach me who you are today. 
Teach me how to overcome the storm today. Peace is not a place. Peace is a person. His name's Jesus. C.S. Lewis wrote this so beautiful. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. You see, peace is not what God does. Peace is who he is. And in John 15, we've been talking about abiding. As you abide in me and I in you, you can do great things. You can accomplish much. You see, as we abide in Jehovah Shalom, God, my peace, Jesus, my peace, the one who is in my life, I've given my life to him. He, I, I am in him and he is in me. I'm abiding in him. I'm do, I have a relationship with him. I'm doing life with him. As, I'm, as he's in the boat and as storms come, I can stand because he is my peace. He is my Jehovah Shalom. And without him, there is no peace. See, there's no peace apart from God. Peace is not a place. Peace is a person. So how do we, how do we live in this peace? How do we live in this peace today? Philippians chapter 4. Pastor Don Doe read this verse last week. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considered in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming. But look at verse six. Do not worry about anything. It's interesting. Because he's saying rejoice, rejoice. And then he says, well, don't worry about anything. Why is he saying that? Because when you worry, you can't rejoice. When you don't have peace, you can't rejoice. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, saying, hey, Paul's saying, here's what I want you to do. Instead of worrying, Here's what I want you to do. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he has done. Then, once you've done these things, once you've said, Jesus, you're in the boat, once you've said, peace is not a place, it's a person, once you've prayed, you told him what you need and you've thanked him, then you will experience God's peace, God's shalom, and what's that shalom gonna do? Even though you don't have answers, it says, the, the, the peace which exceeds anything we can understand, his peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting? His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live or as you abide in who? Jesus Christ. Who? The vine. I'm the branch. As I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm abiding in him. I'm living out of him. I'm gonna experience the shalom, the wholeness, the soundness, the completeness that I find in Jesus Christ, that no storm is bigger than him. It surpasses my understanding and he's gonna guard my heart and my mind. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. He says, come on, take your focus off the things that are stressing you out and now begin to think about things. Think about the promises of God. Think about who God is. Begin to think about honorable and right things. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, Paul says. Everything you heard from me or saw me do, then God, then the, then the God of peace will be with you. There's so much richness in this passage. Saying, 
when you feel like you're in this place and you're anxious, Paul says, here's what you need to do. And there's three things he gives us if you're taking notes today. He says, when you're stressing and you've lost that peace, peace is not a place, peace is a person. There's three things you and I are called to do when we're stressing out, when we've lost our peace, we've lost our joy. Three things, if you're taking notes. Number one, Paul says this, pray God's promises. You gotta pray God's promises. He says, here's what I want you to do, Paul says. Pray about everything. I like that. You wanna find peace? Elevate your prayer life. See, when you begin to pray and you begin to pray God's word and God's promises over your life, this is what the Bible says. God's word will not return to him void. It will accomplish the thing it's sent forth to do. So as you're praying God's word over your life, guess what? God begins to hear his word being spoken. And you know what? That is faith. Why? Because Romans chapter 10 tells us that without faith, sorry, in Hebrews 11, 6 is without faith, you can't please God. Romans 10 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So when I begin to pray by faith over my situation, over my circumstance, I'm beginning to say this is what, what God says. Guess what happens? God hears his word being spoken and God watches over his word. But as I'm praying his word, you know what it does? It begins to build faith in me. You want peace? I'm going to lay it straight today. According to the Apostle Paul, pray God's promises. Because you know what? When we're not praying, we're complaining. Come on. Well, if the market changed, is an election coming up. Oh, we, we, we complain and we complain and we complain. Instead of complaining, pray. Pray. Because when you begin to pray God's word, peace begins to come into your life. The second thing that I like is he says, tell God, tell God what you need. You know what that means? Keep it real. Keep it real with God. Sometimes we're so spiritual. We're so holy. God, I love the disciples. Jesus, don't you care? We're gonna drown. <laughs> Sometimes God's just waiting for us to come to him and say, don't you care? I feel like I'm gonna, my life is in a train wreck right now. I feel like I'm in the juice blender. Don't you care? Yes, I do. I just needed you to come to me. I needed you to be real with me. Because sometimes we think God doesn't know what's going on in our heart. And let me tell you a secret about God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent, all-powerful, and he's omniscient. What does that mean? He knows all things. He knows you better than you know yourself. And Paul says, here's what you gotta do. Come on, when you're stressing out, get on your knees and pray. Quit complaining. And when you're on your knees, keep it real with God. God, I'm afraid. God, I'm afraid. I'm not gonna get through this. But I know you got it. And I know that I'm not running to a place. I'm coming to a person, Jehovah Shalom. You are the Lord Almighty. 
You are the Lord, my peace. Even right now, I don't feel the peace, but I'm coming to you by faith because faith pleases you. Because you said to the disciples, where is your faith? And their faith was more in the wind and the waves. God, I'm not gonna be ruled. I'm not gonna be ruled by my emotions, by the wind and the waves. God, I'm gonna put my faith in you. It might just be a little mustard seed faith, just a little faith in you. But you said, if I have faith like a mustard seed, I can move mountains, God. And so I'm coming to you today, God. I'm going to keep it real. As Pastor Scott said, he's coming in a couple of weeks. I'm going to keep it on the 100. I'm going to keep it legit with you, God, because you already know. You know what I'm thinking. You know when I put my head on the pillow while I can't sleep. You know the struggles. You already know. And sometimes, you know what? When you just tell him, because 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, when you cast all your cares on him, why do you cast your cares on him? Because he cares for you. There's some of you today, the reason you don't have peace, you're carrying this load and, and it's just you're, there's so much stress and anxiety. And Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me, come to me with your burdens and your heavy weights. And you know what he says? I'll give you more stress. No, he says, and I will give you rest. I will give you shalom. I'll give you peace. But just keep it real. Well, pastor, if, if, what if people know I'm a leader in the church if they know that I'm struggling with this and that? You know, the more you struggle, the more you're not living in peace. And the more you're missing out. Keep it real. And number three, I love what he, what he says here. He says, come on, when, you, when, when you're anxious, just this is what you gotta do. You gotta, you gotta pray. Just, just come to him. You gotta, you gotta tell him what you need. And then this is what you gotta do, the third part. Express gratitude. Thank him. Thank him. I thank you, God. According to a wristband I got at Mountain Park Church, God's got it. You've got it. I don't even have the answer yet. The door hasn't even opened. I don't even have the doctor's report. But all I can say is this, God does care. He knows the hairs on my head. And peace is not a place, peace is a person. In the midst of the storm, I have peace. And I thank you. Because you know what praise does when you begin to thank God? Let me tell you something. The devil hates it. The devil, listen to me, he hates it when you begin to praise God and thank him. God, I'm thanking you today. You're gonna turn my marriage around. God, I'm thanking you today. You're gonna change my financial situation. God, I thank you today. You're gonna change my kid's life my grandkids' life, God. I'm thanking you today, God. You're gonna to begin to set me free, God. I'm just beginning to thank you. I, I sure don't feel like I have it right now, but I'm praying, I'm keeping it real, and I'm beginning to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And then Paul says this, and the peace which surpasses understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Why? Because you came to Jehovah Shalom. Peace is not a place. Peace is a person. He's in the boat with me. He's in my life with me. He's beginning to speak to the winds and the waves in my life. Peace is not a place. It's a person. And you begin to see Jesus as your peace. Doesn't matter what's going on around you. St. Francis of Assisi says this as we close. While you are proclaiming peace with your lips, be careful to have it even more fully in your heart.
see, it's more about becoming, less about doing. How's your peace today? Who's your peace today? What valleys are you in? What challenges are you facing? Maybe today there's winds and waves bashing against your life. Jehovah Shalom. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is in the boat with you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Invite Him. Put your faith in Him. Maybe just a mustard seed. Put your faith in Him and watch how He begins to move in your life. Doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to wake up and, oh, I'm in this place of peace. Thank you. One day transformation. Maybe. But most of the time, He's going to remind you every day, I'm with you in the storm. You're not alone. If you abide in me and I in you, do great things. So every eyes closed and head is bowed. No one looking around. Just give me a minute. Maybe today you're in this place and you don't have inner peace. Maybe today you're in the biggest fight of your life. Maybe there's so much pain, disappointment, hurt. And no one in this room knows, but I want to tell you today that God knows and God cares. The Bible says that God so loved the world, God so loved you and me, that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's not about getting to a place called heaven. It's about heaven coming into your heart today through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus wants to be your Lord and Savior. He wants to be your peace, your Prince of Peace. But you've got to invite Him into your boat You've got to invite him into your situation. You've got to invite him into your life. So every eye is closed and head is bowed. Today, if you want to invite Jesus into your life, maybe you've been away, you just turned your back on him, you're doing religion, but if you want relationship, or maybe for the first time today, you want Jesus, I need this peace, I need this Jehovah Shalom, I need this, this Savior, I need him to get up in my life and begin to speak over me. I need his forgiveness, I need his strength, I need his peace. If that's you today and you say, I need Jesus, on the count of three, his eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand really quick. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to bring you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want you to stick your hand up so I can know who I'm praying for. And let me tell you this. As you raise your hand, you're raising your heart to heaven. I've got hands going up already. So every hand is a heart. See, today I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I'm tired of playing religion. I'm tired of, I'm tired of just being tossed to and fro. I need peace, inner peace. About 13 hands already going up. Anybody else? 14, beautiful. Just raise your hand really quick. No one looking around. This is the time. 16, 17 hands. Upstairs, anybody upstairs? I see your hand up there. Beautiful. I see your hand up there. I see your hand up there. Beautiful. But 20 hands already, people saying, I need peace today. Anybody else? I'm going to close this. I see you in the back. Beautiful. 22, beautiful. Beautiful. 23, I see you, ma'am. I see you, ma'am. I see you, ma'am. Beautiful. Beautiful. About 25 hands going up today. People saying, I need. I need peace today. And peace is not a place. Peace is a person. And that person is Jesus. And I need him to do a work in my life today. I'm desperate today. 
I need a change. Beautiful. Some more hands going up. 28 hands going, yes, today's my day. Let's do this. Let's first give those people a hand really quick. Come on. Beautiful. Because I know, I know so often we've tried everything and it seems hopeless. But there's only one thing that can change our life. There's only one person. His name is Jesus. So here's what I want us to do. The Bible says in Romans that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. If we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we'll be children of God. So we're going to pray today all together. And I'm going to ask those of us that didn't raise our hands, that means you're in this place of peace. I'm going to ask you to pray loud and to encourage those that 28 that raised their hands today. So come on, nice and loud. Let's pray together. Let's pray from our hearts by faith today. So repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you today that you are the Prince of Peace. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Come and wash my life clean. I thank you today, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. You gave your life for me. But you rose on the third day that I could have new life. So thank you today, Jesus. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to follow you. Now, Holy Spirit, would you fill me with peace? Would you fill me with shalom? Thank you today, Jesus, that peace is not a place. You are peace. Thank you today that you're speaking to the wind and the waves in my life. And I will get to the other side. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give the Lord a clap one more time?